0: Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises to manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with
1: your hosts, Tim Grady and the wife. Hey, guys. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Lou, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing just terrific. I'm, oh. I'm here. I'm breathing. The sun is <laughs> out. And what could be better?
1: You're on this side of the dirt, so that's a good thing. That's exactly right. And standing <laughs> upright. Yes. So what is happening in the news today? I hear we've got some uh, hot numbers coming out. Well,
2: we do, but I'm not going to do that first. I'm going to tease everybody along first. I, I want to <laughs> oh, okay. do, do a postscript to last week's show. Um, we had uh, Serrera Consulting who is a, uh, a NetSuite uh, partner. Uh, on developing uh, a CRM, ERP, QVD, and all the rest of the letters for small to medium sized companies to basically take over their business and be able to function with a lot of automation and give you a lot of good information about your business that you probably never had before. And that was a really a terrific show. And we did have uh, VJ Saha, who is the CEO and uh, founder of the company, along with uh, Brian Evans, who's director of uh, marketing. And it was uh, quite an interesting show, and I would highly recommend that you go to mfgtalkradio.com and listen to last week's show, or the other 27 shows that we've done since November 13. So uh, we've got to keep building that traffic, folks, so keep... Keep listening. Um, we did have some unbelievable news just about three hours ago. Really striking, the ISM number. There you go, Tim. The number what? Wa- the number was fifty-nine point one, up almost two points. We're almost getting into dangerous territory because uh, Brad Holcomb of uh, Institute of Supply Management starts getting a little gitchy uh, about uh, when the number gets to be 59, 60, 61, and so on and so forth. By the way, uh, uh, Brad Holcomb, who normally is on the show this at this particular slot, had prior engagements today and unfortunately couldn't make the show. Uh, so I tip my hat to Brad, and uh, we'll kind of talk up the numbers here for a few minutes. Certainly nowhere near like what you could do for us. Uh, the numbers were again fifty-nine point one, and the the number that really strikes me being a. Uh, manufacturer from All Metals and Forge Group is that the new order count went to 66 point I'm going to get this wrong 66 point 3 I believe, which is unbelievable this is july this is august we just came off of august july and august the numbers were unbelievable and i just hope that it continues going into the fall months september october november and uh, keeps on going like this and everybody's talking to talk about it so uh, this is uh, really great news it's also great news i'm sure for our guest today and uh, our guest uh, i'm going to turn this over to you, Tim, and uh, do the intro, and uh, I'd like to hear what she feels about those numbers.
1: I'm excited to introduce Pat Lee. Pat is the Director of Marketing for Fabricators and Manufacturers Association International. That's FMA, if you're not familiar with the acronym. She also happens to be the Director of Marketing for Manufacturing Day, and that is com, and that's the subject we're going to talk about in just a moment. But, Pat, welcome to the show, and how do you feel about the ISM report?
3: Tim, I am excited to be on the show, and I'm thrilled about those numbers. I think it's just amazing to see this kind, this kind of growth that's continued through the summer. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs>
1: Super numbers, super numbers. That's, and everybody is from every sector in manufacturing is reporting real strength. And as we get into this, now I know we've got a big event coming up on October 3rd, and that is Manufacturing Day. Do I have the date right? And what is it, Pat?
3: You do have the date right. Manufacturing Day is always the first Friday in October, no matter what the date. This year it happens to be October 3rd. And Manufacturing Day is a national grassroots celebration of manufacturing across the nation and in Canada, um, where manufacturers open their doors to the general public and say, come on in and see what manufacturing is really all about today. And it is that kind of of an open house atmosphere and attitude that we're promoting.
1: And, you know, we have looked at the website, and am I right that there's something like 1,500 different events going on across the country at manufacturers?
3: Well, that's our goal. Our goal is 1,500. As of about five minutes ago, there were just under 500 events listed on the website. But I can give you an example of how that number is a little misleading right now. I just got off the phone before lunch with someone who is organizing an event. They have 28 manufacturers participating, each one doing their own open house. And I discovered this event was only posted by the group organizer, so we are missing those 28 open house listings right now. So I can tell you that even though the number seems like we're a long way from our national goal, we are actually getting closer every day, and it's just about talking to these people and getting them to post their event on the website so that we get the full count. So yes, our goal is 1,500. Our goal is is hopefully to get President Obama to show up at a Manufacturing Day event and to declare Manufacturing Day um, a regular and important part of the national uh, celebration.
2: Pat, I think that uh, if you can get Obama to do that, maybe you can get him onto Manufacturing uh, Talk Radio or ManufacturingDay.com. Lou, I'd go- love see to have see how how good you be on are your radio. Director of Marketing. <laughs>
3: Lou, I really well, would love to have him on your radio show, and I'd like to be on with him, frankly.
2: That would be terrific.
1: <laughs> well,
3: Pat, I
1: know that we have talked with... Uh, Thomas Register in the past and some of this subject has come up. We've talked with uh, Dr. Stephen Melnick at Michigan State University and another slice of this subject has come up and there appears to be, and I'm not surprised, a disconnect between the millennials and manufacturing and how they perceive it. Can you share something on that with us from your perspective?
3: Well, Kim, there are several reasons why we believe that millennials and the generation that comes after them is really disconnected from manufacturing and that is because in this country we've sort of lost the sense of importance that surrounds an ability to make things when you question young people today they have no idea where the things come from that they connect to every day As far as they're concerned, the supply chain stops at their local big box store or the local mall. And they really have not thought it through any farther than that. If you don't know that things have to start somewhere, that somebody has to make them, there's an obvious um, reason why there's a disconnect with manufacturing. I think that, I think that that is something that has come up through our educational system because we seem to be teaching a lot more in theory than in practice.
1: That makes sense. Uh, I think uh, that, that may be true at the uh, college level. I think at the high school level, and I know that I've seen it across the country where they have taken out segments of the high school curriculum. And one of the first to go was the the trade classes. I remember when I went to, it was even junior high school, I went to a woodworking class. And all the woodworking I can do today is because of that class in junior high school.
3: Well, Tim, you know, only 26% of the schools in America still have some form of industrial technology class. 26%. Wow. You know, three-quarters of our young people, have never had an introduction to any kind of use of tools or making things. And, um, gosh, is it any wonder that they don't know how and they're they're not connected to doing that?
1: Yes, that's uh, it's a staggering statistic. I didn't realize it was that low. I think the other thing where there's a disconnect, and I know that this was a conversation we were having with uh ThomasNet, I think it was with Paul Gervino over at ThomasNet, and that was to put the cool back in manufacturing. If they don't understand the things that are manufactured, they certainly don't understand where they're engineered. And if you want to look at anything cool coming out of manufacturing, it really begins in
2: design and engineering. I think also, uh, folks, that uh, we went through the era where it, it It was important for kids coming out of school to go to college and you got to get a degree and you got to go work down on Wall Street and make $100,000 a year coming out of school. Um, and I think that uh, we now have too many of those people floating around. A lot of them are unemployed at this point. Um, engineer, We went through that engineering period where everyone had to become an engineer. Well, there are a lot of engineers floating around not being able to get a job. Uh, the salary levels, uh, perhaps, uh, Pat, you know a little bit more about that, what an average salary uh, is for a newbie into uh, the manufacturing world. I, I saw some numbers, but I don't want to misquote them, so if you happen to know that number, uh, you know, be my guest.
3: Well, um, Lou, when you look at average salaries, I think that they are uh, they're portraying an average salary or wage plus benefit. Um, you're talking about a manufacturing worker making on the order of $77,000 a year. You're looking at all other workers in all other fields combined on average making about $63,000 a year. So there's definitely a bump uh, when you take a look at manufacturing salaries and benefits. It's interesting that manufacturing is one of the fields um, where you still have a very large percentage of employers providing benefits like healthcare that are paid for in full or paid for, um, you know, primarily by the manufacturer, um, the employer. So there really are some benefits there that people don't tend to think about, and I believe that what happened is that when we went through the time period where a lot of things were being pushed overseas for cheap labor. Um, What happened is people got the impression that everything went overseas. That was never true, and what people aren't recognizing is how much of that that was pushed to China or other places in Asia is now coming back to the United States because there is a benefit, a cost benefit, to bringing that manufacturing back here.
2: Pat, can you uh, speak to the reshoring that's going on and maybe nearshoring, if you have any comments on that?
3: Um, As far as the reshoring goes, I think we're seeing that a lot of things are coming back here because they got too expensive, because there were too many mistakes being made. And so by bringing things back here, Manufacturers found that they were saving enormous amounts of money in freight, but they were also saving a lot of rework that was happening here at a much higher cost than the original manufacturing cost. So, you know, kind of the general trend is that things are starting to come back. And it is all the higher value stuff, so we want to be absolutely careful to say that there is some manufacturing of very low-cost items, consumer-type items, that will probably never come back here, but the stuff that is coming back is the more highly engineered stuff, the things that are used in um, production of other bigger products, Um, and for that we're very grateful because that's the stuff that is going to keep this economy going. And in fact, interestingly, between exports and reshoring, that's what's kept our economy going the last year or two. As far as near-shoring, um, certainly there are an awful lot of items coming back from Asia that are coming to other countries in the Americas, from Mexico all the way down the line. And even that is a great benefit for the United States because that is helping to cement trading relations with some of our best trade partners.
1: Now, Pat, there are some... Outdated perceptions by the general public regarding what manufacturing is and isn't. Can you share some of those with our audience?
3: Well, certainly. The um, the old traditional look at manufacturing, I believe, came from a black and white picture in an old textbook that showed a steel mill spewing black smoke out into the sky. Or it came from a picture of a shuttered manufacturing plant that had fallen into disrepair. And that's Mm -hmm. what people thought about with manufacturing. They also somehow still have in their mind that picture of the old um, automotive production line. Might be a picture from the 1930s or 40s, you know, with lots of dark and dingy um, background. And so people go, oh, manufacturing, it's hot. dirty, it's dangerous, it's repetitive, and nothing could be farther from the truth. 21st century manufacturing is clean. It is relatively safe in all aspects because of the technology. It is something that needs to attract very bright, very much problem-solving oriented people who like the idea, the challenge of creating something new, of being able to meet many needs, um, most manufacturing today is not long-run production line. It's mostly shorter-run specialty kinds of items so there's just so many misconceptions about manufacturing that it's hard to know where you start the list and where you end it but i believe we can change all of those misperceptions if we only let people see for themselves
1: well i haven't opened up a high school textbook lately to see what that picture is and now i'm terrified to do it (laughs) I'm afraid I'll find some dusty manufacturing photograph in there. (laughs) Well, Pat, we're going to take a a quick commercial break here because we're going to get into some additional material about both Manufacturing Day and, and also talk about manufacturing and what is happening there because one of the big subjects there is, and it's a number that Lou and I have heard over the last year about the number of open jobs in manufacturing. And it's a staggering number. So when we come back from commercial break, we'll share that number with you, and we'll get Pat's reaction to it.
5: Thank you s h Rubber is a manufacturing company in Fullerton, California. We specialize in custom molded, extruded and stamped rubber parts. If your next job requires a rubber part, we would appreciate the opportunity to quote on it. We serve aerospace, automotive and many other industries. We work with many types of rubber, including silicone, EPDM, neoprene, uninitrile, and viton. Our quality system is ISO and AS9100 approved. Over our 47 years in business, the SNH brand has become known for superior quality, quick turnaround, and competitive pricing. Please check out our website at www.shrubber.com or call 714-525-0277. Let SNH be your ceiling solution. American Crane and Equipment Corporation
6: in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778.
1: Back with Manufacturing Talk Radio, and Lou and I are speaking with Pat Lee, the Director of Marketing for Fabricators and Manufacturers Association International. And Pat, I have to mention because I absolutely love the name of your foundation: Nuts, Bolts, and Thingamajigs.
7: <laughs> the Thank great, you, Kim.
1: <laughs> great name for foundation. Uh, Pat, you know, Lou and I have interviewed a lot of guests, and several have talked about this skilled worker shortage in manufacturing. And I'm going to let you talk about the number that you've heard, because the number we've heard is a big number for you know someone with a resume in hand. Manufacturing is the door to be walking into. What kind of numbers are we looking at?
3: I'm going to quote something. Um, the Kansas City newspaper printed this article yesterday and says in a sector that employs 73.6 million people nationally, there are an estimated 600,000 manufacturing job openings.
1: That's the number we've been hearing. Staggering That's number. Number
3: we've been hearing for years. That number has been out there now for about three years.
1: Oh, I wasn't aware of that, Jesus. so we're not filling the gap. And is that because of a lack of understanding you know, by educators of the career opportunities presented in manufacturing?
3: Well, I think, Kim, that that is one of the problems. Um, Again, as I said, the misperception is that all the jobs went overseas, so there isn't any reason for an educator to encourage a student to go into manufacturing. There's also um, the misperception that manufacturing jobs, you know, don't pay well, so why would you want to go into them even if you could find a manufacturing job? Job, also, you know, a a fallacy. Um, We just talked about the kind of average wage comparison in manufacturing to other careers. And then also, you have a couple of things happening. Number one, the average age of a manufacturing employee across the board is 58 the average age of someone in welding is over 60 so you have an aging workforce in manufacturing that is now that the recession is over that workforce is starting to retire much more rapidly than it has been for the last few years Um, we have new people coming into the workplace you know so the uh, the youth are aging into workplace um age levels so there are more people coming into the workforce there are people staying in the workforce longer than expected and um you have the people who are looking for work do not have the skills to match the job openings that exist you said something earlier tim about um a lot of people, you know, it used to be very popular to try to push people to go into banking in Wall Street, and then a lot of those people lost their jobs during the recession. Well, an out-of-work banker is not does not have the skills to go into manufacturing and take on some of the roles that are desperately needed. So we have a problem. There's a disconnect between the skills that are available in the people who are looking for work and the skills that are required by the employers who are looking to fill jobs, and we really aren't making that connection, and we aren't training people um, in sufficient numbers to make an impact on that 600,000 openings.
1: And we talked about, or you mentioned, the 26% of, of, I think it was high schools across the country that have some kind of trade class in them. Does every manufacturing job require a four-year college degree?
3: Absolutely not. Um, In fact... The thing that is most clear about manufacturing is that a young person graduating from high school, if they have their sights set on manufacturing, can in one year or at most two years gain some very employable skills at relatively low cost by going to a community or a technical college right in their area they can then get that starting job in manufacturing. And for the most part, manufacturers are looking to be able to then pick up and take on the training um, costs and will pay so that that employee can get additional skills, get additional education. And, um, you know, so one of the great things about getting started in manufacturing is that while a high school diploma isn't enough, something that only takes a year or maybe two beyond high school is enough to get you in, get you started, and give you the opportunity to get the rest of your education paid for by your employer.
1: And that's what we have been hearing as well from some of the manufacturers that we have spoken with, that in fact they are taking on a portion of the uh, advanced training for their workers because they're not seeing it coming out of either a, a, a trade school at the moment or uh, out of uh, colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. So I think that's consistent with what you just shared with our, with our listeners.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim, I think that, uh, and Pat, I think that uh, we did have a, a uh, gentleman on from uh, Arizona several weeks ago uh, who actually is a listener and um, the, na- the name of the company is escaping me for the moment. Perhaps Tim will remember it. Uh, they too have been having uh, issues about training and being able to hire people and so on to the point that they created their own internal training program. And they've, they've hired these kids out of school and put them through their own um, internship, if you will, internally. And uh, obviously that's the probably the most expensive way to do it but in their particular case they found that it was the only way to do it they didn't have they didn't have the um infrastructure in arizona at the time uh to uh draw from a pool so they had to create their own their own pool do their own training and uh we never did ask the number but i wouldn't be surprised if you had one or two out of ten that wound up being a qualified uh, individual to be working the shop floor. Tim?
1: Uh, Pat, does the Fabricators and Manufacturers Association either have training courses within it or work with any colleges or trade schools to help bridge this gap?
3: Oh, my gosh, Tim, absolutely. That is why we exist. FMA is an educational association. That's been our, our uh, mission uh, since our inception. And on both sides of the question you just asked, the answer is yes. We um, run our own training programs for people in the industry Probably do 50 to 60 live conference-type programs a year. We have almost 150 um, web-based programs that people can sign up and take. Some of them are live webinars. Some of them are pre-recorded. Um, we offer industry um, certifications. And that certification program is part of the bigger Manufacturing Institute certification program. Um, We also have a relationship with community and technical colleges. It's called our Certified Education Center Program. Colleges are members of FMA. They offer specific kinds of training. They um, are working with each other to try to improve the quality and the availability of the programming that they offer. And uh, I just happen to be the person who runs that Certified Education Center program. Ah, okay. We, we also do a conference every year for educators and employers. And this is the important part, to bring them together so that they talk to each other and figure out ways to resolve some of these skilled labor issues. Um, working on, you know, looking at best practices. Um, who knows, you may be in North Carolina and learn something about a program that's going on in Utah that you go, oh, my gosh, why didn't we ever think of this, and then be able to uh, to borrow from that best practice. So, yes, we do a lot of different kinds of training, from incumbent workforce training down to um, the student training, and also um, we look at what can be done with youth and that gets into what our Nuts, Bolts, and Thing in the Jigs Foundation does to introduce youth to manufacturing careers through our summer manufacturing camp program and then also provide scholarships for those young high school graduates who are trying to go to the community or technical college and, and get the manufacturing skills they need. But you brought up something else about the Arizona program where they had to create their own because nothing really worked for them or was available for them. And I hate to say it, but that is not an unusual occurrence. That is a very common occurrence that we are finding happening all over the country. I know of one of our member companies that literally has started their own university. They recruit from the high school level. They have a program in place. Those young people go through it. They have now expanded that so that it's a, a skills development program for their incumbent workforce. But they're really taking education into their own hands. Um, and, again, it, I think it has to do with what's available in their immediate area. Um, but, you know, people are getting very proactive. They're not waiting for solutions to come to them. They're creating solutions.
2: Uh, Pat, uh, to continue this point, please. Uh, I I keep hearing the same words about the training of uh, kids out of school, out of college or out of high school who don't go to college what about the, and I know there are 600,000 vacant jobs, uh, but there's also still, even though unemployment has come down uh, considerably, there's still a lot of manufacturing uh, personnel out there who have either given up uh, looking for work or having poor poor paying jobs that they've had to take on as a result of uh, the Great uh, Recession. Um, is, are your programs that you're talking about here also good for the 40, 50-year-old to go back and retrain, uh, not just the 20-year-olds.
3: Oh, absolutely. In fact, I can tell you that this semester, when we selected our scholarship recipients, um, three of them out of, I believe it was 17 that we gave scholarships to, three of them were people who were mid I'll call them midlife career changers because they had been downsized or outsourced out of a job and they were coming into manufacturing training, going back to school full-time to develop either manufacturing skills from scratch or, in the case of one of our applicants, he had some really basic skills and wanted to be able to step up to the next level. But these are people who were 30, 40, and 50 years old and so we're definitely looking at what can be done to try to help people um do that kind of career change or career upgrade
1: now pat you had mentioned that you have a a conference every year where you bring the industry and educators together when is that
3: when is it it is in the spring every year usually in the month of may and we almost always do that program at one of the community or technical colleges so that we can take advantage of their facilities, look at what their teaching program is like, look at what their shop program is like, and hear from the manufacturers that they serve. Um, this past year, in May, it was at Ogden Weber Applied Technology College in Ogden, Utah. That has an amazing program where if you are a local resident and choose to go to that college, they will find a way to cover your tuition if you cannot afford to pay. They have a 96% placement rate by the time their students complete a one- or two-year program. And they have a relationship with a local four-year university so that when you get your job, if you want to go on and continue your education, there is a university locally, and the employers will pay all or part of your tuition to finish a degree. So it's an amazing space, and the way they've organized their programs really opened a lot of eyes because they have no semesters. They start their classes every Monday morning, and so you can start anytime you need to start. And you finish when you prove your competency. It's a 100% competency-based program. And for a lot of people around the country, that was a real eye-opener.
1: Now, I think we're going to have another commercial break here shortly. Um, When we come back from that, there's two things I'd like to talk to you about, Pat. One is Manufacturing Day itself. And the second is Fabtech. Okay. So I'm just going to leave the audience kind of hanging on Fabtech because that's out in the very near future, and we think they certainly ought to know about that as well. We'll take a quick commercial break here, and we will be back with Pat and chat a little bit more about what's happening in manufacturing. <laughs>
7: All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290.
6: American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778.
7: UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert Powerware and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both weak and new products.
1: Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with Lou Weiss. My co-host, who happens to be with All Metals and Forge Group, he's actually the founder of that company and uh, has been with it for many, many years. And we're speaking with Pat Lee. Pat, I want to talk to you about two events coming up. The first is October 3rd, and that is Manufacturing Day. How does a manufacturer go about participating in Manufacturing Day, and what are their next few steps?
3: Well, it's really pretty easy. I'd like to invite all manufacturers to go to our website, which is mfgday.com, right on the homepage, it says host an event, big orange button, and you can get started posting your event on the website, being counted as part of those 1,500 events we're anticipating by simply going there. And logging in and creating your event so if you're already planning one and you haven't done the registration on the website please please do it it's so important for it to be there even if someone doesn't get to come to your event it's so important that we know of every event that is going on in the country I'll also say that if you are having a a private event, maybe what you've done is you've decided to have an open house just for the friends and family of your employees. Go ahead. Put it on the website. You're still opening up manufacturing to the public. And so whether the event is truly a community event, whether it's a private event for Friends and family, whether it's just for the students of a particular school, we would really love to know about it and know that it's going on. Um, Also, I want to make one point, and that is that if you're not doing an event on October 3rd, because that's a bad date for you, maybe you're doing your event later in the month or you're even doing it this month or in November, go ahead. Put it on the website. It's important for people to go there and see Just how many different kinds of manufacturing there are in this country and especially in their communities. So I truly want to make a plea to all the manufacturers who are listening today to plan an event and get that event on the calendar. And if you haven't started to plan yet, but you are listening to this and think, boy, I'd like to do something, start small, start close to home. Do an event for your family and friends of your employees. Do an event for a local Boy Scout or Girl Scout troop. You can make this small, but you can make it very meaningful, and I guarantee you will change someone's life by doing it. So that's how, Tim, that's the simple explanation of why they should do it and oh yeah, how to do it is please go click the Host an Event button on our website.
2: Great, thanks, Pat. Luke? Uh, Pat, uh, I just want to bring to the attention of our listeners and uh, your followers that there's also an event on October 2 and that's going to be a special show for mfg talk radio it's going to be on a thursday we've never done a thursday um and we are going to um uh, have a special event with you on the show as well as if you do the intro please Matt.
3: um we're also having ed udell who is the president and ceo of the fabricators and manufacturers association he's the guy who who dreamed up this concept for Manufacturing Day, and also Ned Monroe, who is an Executive Vice President with the National Association of Manufacturers, and I'm working on one more guest for you, Lou, but I can't give you the name right now because I don't have it confirmed yet, um, but we're very excited to be able to come back on the day before Manufacturing Day and talk a little bit about all of the phenomenal things that will be going on across the country. At that point, we're going to have so many great stories to tell about events that are in the works being held or planned to be held in October that we really like to share that with the listeners.
2: Well, we're very excited about doing the show with you, and uh, I hope that it has a uh, an impact uh, for October 3rd. But I also want to mention uh, that in my far back recesses of my brain, I vaguely remember hearing that there are a certain number of states throughout the United States have, that have named uh, October Manufacturing Month, I think there are 12 states, uh, and there are other events going on. If I'm not mistaken, I heard that there are going to be nine speeches in Congress on October 3rd uh, of talking about manufacturing uh, a day. Um, is, is that is all is so, and are there other both things going on similar to that?
3: Yes, Lou, both of those things are um, accurate. Um, We're putting together a new part to the website, actually, right now, because of all of these different things that are going on at the state level and the congressional level. Um, But we're putting together a proclamations page, and we're going to start to collect all of the proclamations that are being issued by mayors and governors and county board chairmen and um, the various kinds of accolades that are being put together and publicized for Manufacturing Day. We have for example, as one of our endorsing organizations for Manufacturing Day, we have the Southern Governors Association. And I've been told we can expect to get a proclamation from all of those governors. So that's pretty exciting stuff when you start to see what's happening at the state level, um to acknowledge what they've seen happen at local level in their state.
2: I think it's terrific that the politicians are getting involved on a positive note uh, and uh, looking to promote uh, uh, business for their states and for our country. I think that's terrific. And you guys are doing such a, such a fabulous thing. And I know Tim and I are just really excited to be involved in it to the level that we are. And uh, we're going to be uh, promoting this uh, throughout this month. Uh, up until the third and who knows maybe we'll we'll make our own proclamation naming october as uh, manufacturing day at manufacturing talk radio that would be great Uh, pat let me talk to you about the next event that you have coming
1: up it looks like it's uh, november 11 through 13 called fab tech can you give us an overview of that please
3: Sure. Fabtech is the largest metal-forming, fabricating, welding, and finishing event in North America. It's going to be held at the Georgia World Congress Center, as you said, November 11 through 13, and uh, we're very excited. It's going to be the second largest Fabtech ever held. And so we're, we're pretty thrilled. It, it kind of to us is a reflection of the statistics that you started the show with today, showing growth in the manufacturing sector. Um, we really believe that the growth of Fabtech, the enthusiasm that we're seeing from exhibitors and the people who are pre-registering for the show just validates all of those numbers
1: Now, in the people uh, registering for the show that are pre-registering, are any of those uh, students looking for jobs? Is that an opportunity open to them to kind of walk the floor and meet manufacturers?
3: Oh, absolutely. We will usually have quite a group of students from high school level on up. Um, And, you know, any time we see groups of students coming from places, well, for example, Georgia Tech is just down the street from the Georgia World Congress Center. And we anticipate we'll have quite a group of students from Georgia Tech who will be there to walk the show floor, um, meet manufacturers, you know, look at the opportunities that are available and, um, you know, and try to, get that face time with somebody who might actually be looking to hire someone with their training. So it happens every year. We always have a student day at FabTech. Um, that's usually designed for the high school level student, and uh, then we always usually have quite a group of college level students who are um, actively engaged in pursuing education leading to manufacturing careers who come on the show floor as well.
1: Oh, that's, that's great. That certainly is. An, it sounds like an exciting show. Uh, I'd like to learn a little bit more about that, so you and I will speak offline and talk about that particular show. Is there anything else that you would like to touch on for uh, this show that we're doing with this audience on either uh, your association or Manufacturing Day?
3: Well, I'd like to finish up with a couple of uh, things about Manufacturing Day. Um, For one thing, one of our sponsors, our platinum sponsor this year, is Shell Lubricants. And I don't know how many of your listeners are into um, NASCAR racing, but on Sunday, September 14th, when the big NASCAR race is held in Chicago, uh, the number 22 race car, that's driven by Joey Logano is going to be sporting the Manufacturing Day logo on his decklid, so we're really excited about that. That gets that Manufacturing Day logo in front of millions of viewers, and um, so we're really, you know, we're really hopeful that that will get a little more interest from from those people. The other thing is that we have as our media partner this year. Science Channel and of course their flagship show is How It's Made which I think of as manufacturing day in my living room because I can watch Things being made in various plants across the country. They are starting a marathon today uh, of ads for Manufacturing Day so that all of their viewers are going to learn about Manufacturing Day opportunities. And that means a lot of people are going to be going to the website and looking for Manufacturing Day events that they can attend. So we're really excited to have a whole month of promotion on that channel. And then on Manufacturing Day, they're going to do a marathon for 24 hours of their How It's Made programs. So for anyone who can't get out or there's nothing near to them, they will be able to learn more about manufacturing and, and just sit in their living room and do it for 24 hours straight. We think that's very exciting to have those partnerships. We're very grateful for the support that they've given to Manufacturing Day and the, you know, kind of the interest that they've shown in this grassroots movement. And so I I have to tip my hat to both of them. They've been great partners. And um, I guess the other, you know, the other things are that there are a ton of resources on the Manufacturing Day website. If you're not sure, if you don't know whether you want to participate or not, I say go take a look at the resources, go take a look at the events that are listed. You're bound to find something that strikes your interest, whether you're a teacher, a parent, a student, um, just a general member of the community who says, I don't know anything about manufacturing. Or if you're a manufacturer that's trying to get your story told, There's lots of resources on the website that will help you do that more effectively. And I really think a lot of this misperception is just all about communication. If we can really improve the communication about manufacturing, we can get a lot more people excited.
1: I would agree, and uh, I think this has been excellent information for our audience. I certainly would encourage you to go to the Uh, various websites, uh, mfgday.com for Manufacturing Day, or fmanet.org for the Fabricators and Manufacturers Association. And Lou, why don't you close the show today and share with the audience what you have.
2: Uh, Pat, first of all, I'd like to say thanks for your participation today, and uh, we're going to be supporting you uh, throughout this period of time, and we're looking forward to the October 2 show with uh, the other guests that are going to be attending, uh, and I thank you for that. Uh, I just want to point out to the listeners today that if you tuned in late, that you'll be able to uh, tune in to our uh, MFG talkradio.com and you'll be able to listen to the entire show in about two hours from now Uh, take some time for them to clean up all of our hiccups and so on Uh, so in two hours we'll be live Uh, please uh, listen to it, it's a terrific show, get the word out to your uh, friends and family who are in manufacturing, tell them what we're all doing about it and spread the word and again manufacturing day dot com msgday.com and uh, uh again pat uh, we appreciate your uh, joining us today and uh tim thanks again
1: pat from uh, all of us at manufacturing talk radio and we will see you or you will hear us next week next tuesday we have another show coming up uh that Day with Dan Nextroth who's the vice president and chief economist. He's also with the council director of MayPi. and so we're going to be asking him the projection questions and find out what's happening through 2014 into 2015 and maybe get a peek at 2016. Pat again thank you for this terrific show today.
3: Thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: We look forward to chatting with you in the near future, and that wraps us up for Manufacturing Talk Radio Today.
0: to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the opportunities and obstacles open to small manufacturers. Manufactured right here in America, brought to All Metals and Forge Group, with your host, Tim Brady and the Vice.
7: UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products.
0: dot com.
7: It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor a mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
5: Bye.